Hello, and welcome to Spotlight On, the podcast that brings together business leaders, entrepreneurs, and experts covering a range of topics. I'm Nicholas Barton, founder and CEO of the Barton Partnership. We're an award-winning executive recruitment and consulting solutions firm, providing permanent search and independent consulting services across strategy, sustainability, and M&A, data and analytics, and transformation and change. Hello, and welcome to our Women in Leadership podcast series. I'm Imogen Sia, head of the Barton Partnership's EMEA Consumer Practice. Joining me today is Joe Bennett, Chief Business Officer at Pizza Express. Prior to joining Pizza Express, Joe was the Group CFO at Hilde Anders Group. And before this, she was a director of KKR Capstone, CFO of multinational retailer Jacques Group, and worked in the operations group of TPG Capital. So, welcome to the Barton Partnership's Women in Leadership Spotlight on podcast. No, thank you, Amy. It's good to be here. Delighted to have you. So, to kick things off and introduce you to our listeners, can you share with us a brief overview of your career story and how you got to where you are today? So, I started as a business trainee many years ago in the restructuring team at EY. And this was straight after A-levels and worked my way through the AAT and chartered accountancy exams. And then after I qualified, I was luckily asked to do a secondment, which was the first one to the Bank Debt Portfolio Group at Goldman's. And whilst I was at Goldman's, I made the decision then that I wanted to be more operationally finance focused, working with companies rather than one step removed in the bank. And whilst I was at Goldman's, I came across AM, who were just setting up in Europe and got a great couple of years restructuring experience working across a number of different sectors. And it was after that that I joined the TPG Ops team, where I worked closely with the deal guys on both acquisitions and driving value post-acquisition. And this is where I learned to be a CFO, taking interim CFO roles in a number of portfolio companies. And then from TPG, I decided to take a CFO role outside. But then the opportunity came along to work with KKR Capstone. And this was exciting because I sat on the special sits desk where the team was investing through the capital structure. And one of our investments there was Hilding Anders. And we had a new CEO join the business who I enjoyed working alongside with my KKR hat on. So then I took the group CFO role at Hilding Anders on a permanent basis and was there for about four years. And then I made that personal decision not to be on the road four days a week. And Pizza Express came along, which is such a well-loved brand within the UK market that I thought has so many growth opportunities we could exploit. And so that's how I ended up at Pizza Express. And I've been there just under two years now. Fantastic. I mean, it's such a a diverse story. Out of interest, Joe, when you were younger, did you ever see this unfolding the way it did? No, absolutely not in me. And it's interesting, actually, because I didn't even study finance after GCSEs. I studied all art A-levels. EY took a bit of a punt on me by bringing me into their training scheme. As a fellow art student myself, I like to hear that. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> People are surprised when I tell them. Yeah. And so, I mean, talk, talking of how that transitioned, I mean, so your career, as you've just outlined, you know, it spans investment banking, consulting and private equity. That's both from a fund side with TPG and KKR Capstone, as you mentioned, and, and now PE portfolio leadership. 
A question to you. I mean, how did you successfully navigate the shift between these environments? I mean, particularly as a female leader. Looking back now, I would say that the biggest culture shock was actually the shift from EY to Goldman's and the most difficult one to navigate because, you know, EY was a great training environment, quite family orientated, despite being a large organisation, where Goldman's was a much faster and demanding environment. But I must say this team was super supportive and welcoming. And I really did learn the importance of open challenge and debate. And then I think, you know, as I moved into A&M, A&M really taught me how to work closely with the company teams, which is not something I'd done before. And really there, the importance of being flexible, open, and how you have to win credibility quickly. And I think both of these experiences with Goldman's and AMN really helped me stepping into TPG. And again, in those days, TPG was a small team and we really worked closely together. And I was lucky to have some great mentors and teachers. And then if I fast forward it into Hilding Anders, I think the biggest difference and thing to negotiate at Hilding Anders was actually working in Sweden and across the Nordics for a lot of the time, because I really did feel that more consensual way of working, which was very different from the more direct approach that we had from the UK and US influences in my previous roles. And, you know, thinking about that sort of female, male-dominated environments, I must say, though, that all of these environments were more male-dominated. There was not something that made me change my approach to work or really influence what I was doing there. So really, I think one step from one to the other, but each of the prior roles influenced the next role. Really interesting. And I think this piece around cultural differences, the shift from the UK, the US, and then you know, you, you ended up working with a Russian pharmaceuticals distributor in Moscow, as an example. How do you reflect on more so the differences in working across international markets, perhaps? I mean, I had some amazing experiences from working in Russia and particularly the pharmaceuticals business that you mentioned. I was relatively young in my career there, and it was a business just outside Moscow. And I can tell you, I mean, I'll never forget the cockroaches in the desk drawers to all the office doors being sealed with wax at night. And it really did highlight how much you learn personally from working in international and different environments, those different cultures, people, ways of working, It's an invaluable experience, and I definitely recommend it to anyone who has the opportunity. They should really jump at it because it really broadens your thinking. Even now, from all my international experience, on a personal basis, to have friends in all of those markets, we all stay in touch over the years, and it's just terrific. Just touching back again, I guess, on... Your experience as, uh, you know, an operating partner within the world of, sort of private equity, can you talk to us a little bit about the, the key attributes for success and effective partnership with both PE investment teams and then the portfolio company management teams as well? So if I think about the investment teams first, I th- you know, one of the things I've always found, which is terrific, is that the investment teams are always very fact-based and open to challenge and discussion. And, you know, it's been super important over the years that as we've partnered with them to think creatively about how we can drive value. 
be that through gross initiatives and or cost takeouts. And then in a due diligence situation, by identifying risk areas and possible mitigations to those risks. And I think overall, it's so important to speak up during investment discussions so that all opinions are heard. And then on the second part you asked me in terms of with portfolio companies, I think this goes back and I was lucky to learn this whilst I was at A&M, is that important to build credibility and trust quickly? And now having sat on both sides of the fence, I can say honestly that there's nothing more infuriating than the PE team insisting you do something which doesn't seem to make sense to you. And you just know it's because they don't understand the business or sector well. So having experienced that second part to it of being company management, if I was to put my operating partner hat back on, I would say to everyone within my team, you know, build credibility, build trust and learn the business. Really interesting. And I think it's, you know, we are seeing across the sector more and more this this piece around having that prior experience. So you can naturally build that credibility with with the teams and, and, you know, really be seen as that sort of sparring partner, advisor and confidant, um, as you say, at least, you know, both singing from the same hymn sheet at the end of the day then. So I guess thinking about the wider private equity kind of industry and dynamic, thinking about the diversity lens, you know, women have made strides in the industry, although we have to admit they are still a minority in the workplace. Can you talk to us about your experience as a, a female leader in private equity? I must say within private equity, I've only had positive experiences in being a female leader. And I can say with all honesty that it actually never really jumped out when I was in that situation as being one of the only or a handful of females. So it's interesting just thinking now, reflecting on what you said. I do think, because obviously as I as I came through the years, there are more females now. So you do get the more of a mixed a mixed thinking, which is terrific. I tell you where I really noticed the lack of diversity and the lack of females was more within portfolio companies. And I'm not talking about Pizza Express, because as you know, we've got a terrific, almost all-female team there. But in other organisations, I have been the only senior female leader in the room. And this lack of diversity, you can sit there and just listen to it, everyone They look very similar, but you can just hear they've got the same views and experiences and you don't get to an innovative solution quickly because everyone has the same view. Yeah, no, it, it's it's really an in, it's a very interesting reflection, Joe. It's, it's a dynamic that is constantly evolving. When you think about sort of diversifying those teams and, and whether this is looking to PE funds, maybe perhaps operating teams that can be involved in hiring into those portfolio mm-hmm. companies, is there any sort of advice that you'd give when it comes to diversifying those portfolio leadership teams, bringing on board, but also retaining female leaders? Yeah, definitely. I think it's so important to have those different viewpoints into the room. Even more so now, people are looking for flexibility, just really thinking about what people need in their wider lives can be so helpful. And you get such a rich experience coming from that. Different ages, different backgrounds, different experience just all add to that so much. 
Yeah, I 100% agree. Just this, this diversity of thinking, diversity of experience that you can all bring to, to the table collectively. Yeah, it's, it's very important. Touching back now, so before moving to Pizza Express, and we'll come back to this because this is really interesting, as you say, given the fantastic kind of female leaders that you have as part of the business. But prior to this, you know, you were working for, for Hilding Anders, you know, a truly international multi-brand bed manufacturer and retail operator. What was it like making this shift to the hospitality sector and, and one that has, you know, primarily had a UK focus initially? It's a question many people ask because just the, the sheer change there. And I mean, it it was a really big change, but I think even more so because I joined Pizza Express early in 21 when we were only open for delivery. So it wasn't even though we had a fully trading business and I only got to meet my colleagues virtually to start with. Pizza Express being a much smaller business, though, doesn't mean I have the time to be much closer to the operations and a true business partner to the management team, which I absolutely love. And also, we've been so busy. We refinanced in July 21 so we could invest in the growth of the business. We launched our app and loyalty program. You know, the list goes on. Store refurbishments, building up a pipeline of new stores. And of course, hospitality has a number of headwinds now. And I enjoy in any role being challenged and having to think creatively, which is just what hospitality provides. Exactly. Really kind of almost touching back to your uh, arts roots, for sure, back in the day. Maybe we're, we're destined here, Joe. I mean, exactly. what, what a stark difference, as you say, that joining the business back in 21 when you were only open to to delivery and you know the strides that you've taken as a leadership team are, are quite astonishing. If you reflect back, I mean, what would you say are some of the most significant changes you've seen in the hospitality industry that may be related directly to Pizza Express or, or to your competitors, but since the aftermath of the pandemic? Yeah, I think the biggest one, you know, which is relevant to ourselves and competitors is that sheer growth of the delivery business. If I look back, delivery for ourselves back in 19 before the pandemic was single digit percent of our sales mix. You know, that's high in the double digits now. And it just didn't decline with the reopening of dine-in, which I, for one, thought would happen. And so that delivery is, you know, a big change in channel. And then labour as well. Now, labour, clearly, it's not just pandemic related. We've got the Brexit impact. But I remember when we reopened for trading after sort of September 21 time, and there was a shortage of labour across the whole hospitality industry. And while we've seen that decline, and it's not such an issue now, retention issues are much bigger. And we've also seen people leave the hospitality industry. They don't like the unsociable hours to as simple as don't want to be on their feet all day long. So a real shift in thinking from people. It is a big shift. It is a big shift. And it's interesting enough, Joe, have you seen a wider shift given the kind of more recent sort of economic crisis, you know, cost of living crisis that we're seeing now that affected the growth of delivery at all? Or now that dine-in's back open, has that sort of changed elements or the dynamic at all? That's a really interesting one, actually, that you can imagine we're watching closely there with this cost of living crisis. In terms of our in customers, we're actually seeing people still having those takeaway treats, should we say, you know, and delivery is holding strong. 
there's been more of a slowdown in people coming out for meal occasions. So we're definitely, definitely seeing some slowdown there, which is interesting. In terms of how it's impacting labour, we are, which is partly helping, I think, the labour shortages because people are wanting to work those extra hours, which means we have to be flexible again, coming back to flexible work, allowing people to work less hours per week, fitting in around other jobs, fitting in around school hours, etc. Interesting. I, I did wonder actually whether from a cost of living, extra sort of work, extra hours, how that would have affected you guys from a staffing resourcing perspective. But as you say, it is a very frequently changing dynamic at the moment. I think one which we're all just having to monitor on a sort of daily, if not hourly basis. Well, thanks for sharing, Joe. More importantly, Pizza Express, Let's look at its, you know, leadership team here. You know, recently appointed Paula McKenzie as CEO. As you say, the majority of your executive board are women, you know, including MD Zoe Bowley. Talk me through, how how has this influenced, whether it's your leadership style, the broader team's leadership style, and, and what would you say good leadership looks like to you? For me personally, it's been brilliant having a predominantly female board. As we talked about earlier, that's that's a very different experience for myself than what I'm used to. But I would say most importantly, I do come from that different background to Paula and Zoe. I haven't got the years of experience in hospitality, which I think in itself provides diversity And I do think if we all came from hospitality, that would be an issue, as that would not have the input from different experiences. And then to the second part on what does good leadership look like to me, I would say overall good leadership encompasses humility, openness and honesty, being able to be direct, providing coaching. And then I would say importantly is being not being afraid to make big moves and be willing to go against the grain and stand by your convictions. Fantastic, Joe. Actually, just to touch back on your on your first point, as you say, look, you you do bring diversity of experience to the table, which is great. As you say, in a hospitality environment, you're having to think creatively as a team. Out of interest, you know, how, how did you find yourself personally? integrating into the team and I guess gaining that buy-in from your immediate colleagues when you know you are I guess perceived as that outsider from the world of hospitality. Difficult to start with when it's virtual I must say because you know having that empathy over over a computer screen is not easy so it was much easier when we were back up and trading but then I think importantly You know, one of my first roles within the business was to lead the refinancing, which we got away very successfully during the summer of 21, which did build credibility. But importantly, for the rest of the management team, you know, we then have a strong balance sheet and liquidity to invest in growth. And we all want Pizza Express to succeed and to grow. You know, so I think the team could see that I brought that skill set in. It's one of those brands and businesses so well loved by the UK population. I can imagine even more so by the existing team that were that you were greeted with um, on day one, Joe. So, like, I think I think that's testament. I think particularly to anyone considering making a move to an adjacent sector, as you say, be confident to make those big, bold moves. But I guess just think about your approach and think about you know 
the other side of the table, how they're going to kind of consider bringing you into the team. Just quickly touching back, as you say, joining the business, you know, meeting everyone virtually, managing a team virtually. It's been quite a hot discussion topic, you know, here in the the business actually around Mm. this new work-life balance, flexibility, new ways of working and continuing team leadership, sometimes remotely and virtually. Are there any tips that you'd give around having kind of virtual teams and managing virtual teams, whether that be here in the UK or, or internationally? You see, I probably had the the advantage of having international teams before. So even before the pandemic, you know, I couldn't always be there in person, flying to China, flying to Russia. So, you know, that gave gave some advantage of of learnings. I would say over communication is key because you know we know how difficult it is, how easy it is rather to misunderstand an email you know, picking up the phone and chatting to someone, dialing them online so that you can see them and have that conversation is absolutely critical and keep checking in because, and particularly with people new to the team and training, it's so key for them to be able to see and hear somebody more experienced, giving guidance. When you're in an office, it's really easy to overhear something, jump in, give some guidance. You know, people learn by by hearing you do something. So overall, I'd say definite over-communication, keep checking in, having team meetings, like they're online, et cetera, is, is really key. And do you think, thinking about the dynamics of hospitality, Joe, um, when you'd have people out on the floor in the restaurant, again, this was a whole you know conversation when we were coming back out of the pandemic versus teams in, in the head office. Is there a sort of dynamic between the two, you know, in terms of having people work remotely whilst people are out on the ground? Or has that kind of dynamic safely sort of returned to sort of, I guess, pre-pandemic scenarios? Yeah, I think particularly for ourselves in in hospitality, we need to be out on the road talking to teams, be in the head office, be contactable. I do think it's unfair if you have people working in restaurants, they can't sit at home, can't serve somebody through a computer, that, you know, we appreciate that and we're in the head office. And if we're not working from the office, we're working from a restaurant, we're out talking to people, seeing people. Absolutely. So we as a business are back in the office three or four days a week or on the road. I often work from my local Pizza Express. Uh, It's so important. And I think the other important thing that we do and encouraging people to do more of is to go and work in the restaurants. I mean, I've done my back of house pizziola training, done front of house. It comes back to that empathy and and understanding. I think nobody should sit remotely making decisions about the business when they haven't actually experienced it live. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. I I love that, actually. I think it's about you've both experienced the the two worlds um, and you just have that greater, as you say, empathy around it. I think that's fantastic, a fantastic initiative. And also, I think just brings back, you know, feelings around culture as well. You know, it's something that we are, we're bolstering here at um, the Barton Partnership in terms of rebuilding our culture, spending more time in the office, but, you know, managing some flexibility around for our our team and Mm. colleagues as well. I guess to wrap things up, what, what advice would you give to the next generation of women starting out in their careers? And whether that's working their way through the private equity sphere or you know, thinking about stepping into those leadership roles, are there sort of key tips that you would like to share? Yes, definitely. 
And, you know, if I think about those key tips, I would say always try and do what you believe in, because if you're not doing what you believe in, you won't enjoy it. Gather as many experiences as possible. I mean, my international experience, as hopefully you can tell, I look back on so fondly and it's been so brilliant. And then importantly, never hold back from having an opinion. It doesn't matter if you're right or wrong. You know, we all just chat, we debate and and talk through things. Fantastic. I love that. I must admit, I'm one for the the international piece myself, having spent some time in Australia. I think, you know, it's it's always, you should always be pushing yourself outside your boundaries. And I think it's all about living big, brave and bold, I guess, in this sort of post-pandemic world. So look, fantastic advice. Thank you very much, Joe. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today. Well, thank you. No, I've really enjoyed it. <laughs>